<laughs> so we just sat down and uh, tried to come up with something to talk about, and we had a nice little discussion, and then we pretty much just wrapped it up. Yeah, this so, is the amazing. after show, actually. This is the after show. We had a great episode, everybody, that you didn't hear. <laughs> just kidding. We'll try to recreate it. Yeah. Welcome. How's everybody Welcome. doing? Welcome. It's spring. Spring is coming. So I stopped worrying about my pipes freezing. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I stopped. Like, it's funny because there's that little, like, I have to keep the pellet stove going. Like, because if I, if I don't keep the pellet stove going, that section of the house is going to sink into the ocean. And as soon as it started staying, like, above 45 degrees on a pretty consistent basis, about 10, 15, 10 days ago, I said, well... I know it's not going to go sub-zero anymore, so the whole section of the house, like when you go through this one door, like you walk into that section of the house, it's like you're stepping into the backyard. It's that cold. But So I don't keep the pellet well, stove on. And so yesterday on a whim, we had this one loop. I, I know I keep joking all, all winter long about having a frozen pipe, but there's this one loop that goes along the dining room wall and then into that one sort of... it's. It's like a pause site, like a center hall colonial. You have two living rooms, the left and the right. So in the center hall colonial house of mine, the living room, when you walk in, is on the left side. So it's that same heating loop. And I just had it turned off because it wasn't heating anyway, and I knew somewhere there was a break. I couldn't figure out where it was because it was always frozen. So I was just had to wait till it thawed. So yesterday on a whim, I said to Taylor, I said, I'm going to just see if uh, if that blockage was just frozen water and not necessarily a break. And I turn it on and I run upstairs and I look and the whole dining room is filling with water. I was like, nope, there's a break. And I go running downstairs and I shut that loop off. And I kind of got a clue where the break was. And it looks like somebody put a stick of dynamite in this pipe. Not only is it like cracked (laughs) and split, but it is peeled back. It's like when a can splits from being frozen, like a soda can, and you just see like a little football crack in it, which is typically what happens, or or a joint will dis- dismantle. It this pipe this pipe is like broken and peeled back. Like how does that happen? <laughs> the ice is just like I'm not gonna stop. I'm just gonna keep expanding and pushing. So it's it's like peeled back, and it, it looks it looks like it, there was an explosive in the pipe. So I wonder if the huh. pressure was so much that it just went pop and like allowed it to like peel peel back. You know, it would have been like an audible thing, which of course I'd never heard. So, but now I don't care. Huh. I have that loop turned off. It doesn't matter. No pellet stove. No, it doesn't matter. It's only going <laughs> towards the pipe in the woods. Does it make a sound? <laughs> it might not. So, up there, do you still have the possibility of, like, even though it feels like spring, do you we have the snow. possibility over the next month or so of a random snow? Because yeah. I know well, a couple you, years ago here, yeah. we had snow in April. <sighs> Or something. Yeah, we can yeah. get snow up until April. Okay. Yeah, we can get snow soon, in like but... till mid-April, which is bananas, but it can happen. Yeah. You you didn't have deal with any of the tornadoes yet, did you, Bob? I know. So um, not me personally, but but there was a tornado that came through our town a couple nights ago, and a family that we went that we go to church with. It hit their house. They were in the basement, oh. and they're all okay. But it it took their house. And, oh, man. God. I mean, not like it didn't take the entire thing away, but it took off the roof, knocked down, oh. like, I think part of their garage. You know, they can't live in it kind of thing for a time period. But they're okay. And they had a lot of people helping out, trying to get their house rebuilt and stuff. So it didn't affect us, but we did end up down in the basement and all that as it came through. So. Yeah. Tornadoes are, like, the, the scariest thing. Years ago, I was driving in the Midwest at, like, midnight, and all of a sudden, this like sound came on the radio. It's like twenty years ago, and then the, the radio DJ kicks in and says, the, "If you're hearing the sound, you're in the county with a tornado warning." And I was like panicking, and I looked around, and I was on like a interstate, maybe like I don't know, seventy, ninety, eighty, one of the highways going through Ohio-ish area. And I looked around, and I was the only one on the road for like. Mm-hmm. And then I like suddenly realized. Not only was it late, but nobody was driving for some reason. And then everybody knew something I didn't know. <laughs> and I panicked. I finally found a hotel. But that was very scary. Like, am I driving right into the tornado? Or am I driving yeah. away from it? I had no idea. One time we were uh, up here visiting before we lived in Kentucky. And we were driving. We were leaving. And it was just Jenny and I. I don't think we had kids yet. Um, but we are pulling on to I-65 to go south. And... So we're getting leaving the town, and it's starting to rain, and you know, wind's picking up and stuff a little bit. And as we pull on to the interstate, 
off to our left, like it probably was a mile, but I don't, you could see it. So it wasn't that far away, but I saw a tornado form out of nothing, just like whoop. And there it is. And then it just starts moving and it's running parallel with us down the interstate pretty far didn't away. Didn't want you to leave. Didn't want you and to we were, <laughs> Yeah. And I was just like, well, hmm. I mean, it's not close to us, but those things can, you know, hop and jump and, you know, they get the top of a hill and then they hop over to the next thing. And, and so I was just kind of like watching it out of my left and still driving, hoping that we kind of divert from it. And eventually we went around a curve and then I never really saw it again. But for no. that moment, I was like, I don't know. Do I stop? Do I wait here? Do I try to outrun it? Do I turn around and go back? I Did don't you know. see that little uh, meme that's going around of a guy in a Chevy truck? And the, the torn- it might have been happen- it might have happened during this last event. The tornado uh, interacts with the Chevy truck. It's a big mess. You can't really tell what you're looking at. But all of a sudden, you realize there's a Chevy truck spinning on its passenger side, up on its passenger side, spinning. And then somehow it lands back on its four wheels and drives away. So could you imagine the horror of the guy who was at the wheel of that car not knowing what was about to happen or if he was done? Wow, no. It was like Mm. you kind of like it turns like the human existence into like that of like an ant. Yeah. You know, you flick an ant and he like rolls over and untangles himself and then starts walking away again. You're like, oh, wow, that didn't do enough to him. Crazy. Yeah. Tornadoes are no joke for sure. But anyway. uh, It is springtime. It is nice here. I've been working outside a lot. Uh, working in the barn, working on the car last couple of days with the door open. It's mm-hmm. nice to be able to do that and not have to try to heat the the barn. Yeah. I'm out there. I'm enjoying that, that a lot. Nice. What have you guys been up to? What have you been working on? Besides spring cleaning, I'm, uh, I got this brainstorm on Monday to make tiles. I wanted to just, this is a joke when I say commemorative tiles, but it's the only way to describe them because I'm not going to make a tile to do a whole wall. So I'm going to make commemorative tiles, just it's really just my learning process of making tiles. So I made one with the graphic of the, the Netflix show. I made one with uh, the Maker Man and then a couple with just textures. And so I'm going to try and make ceramic tiles, six by six tiles, fire them and glaze them and just see the process. But I got a little derailed in the mold making process. So I CNC'd up a couple of files out of Corian and then made plaster molds of them. You know, it's funny. Every time I use plaster, which is few and far between, but I'm always reminded how long it actually takes to cure because it might seem cured to the touch, but then you go to open it and it's like a really firm cottage cheese, like a big chunk will break off it. So I poured those maybe Monday night and now here it is Wednesday morning. I've only demolded two of them because I'm afraid the detail is going to get pulled apart. Already started making a mold of one of the two I pulled apart because some of the detail got pulled apart. So it's uh, it's a learning process and, you know, you got to be patient. So this whole week I thought I was going to be attempting ceramic tiles for a weekend video, but I have to change course because there's just not enough time. Ceramics take forever to cure. Dry. So I, I have, I assume that I know the answer to this, <clears throat> but could you use a dehumidifier in a space to pull uh, humidity out of ceramics and plaster and stuff without it affecting it like cracking it uh well it, it you could be you could you could overdry one side of it for instance like if you look back there the stove you could see those little white bricks those are my molds on my stove and the stove is always on so there's always like radiant heat coming from it like anything we have like towels or anything always just get hung near there and they dry almost immediately but it's still taking a long time to cure it. But this morning I picked the one up that is already demolded and it's considerably lighter than it was yesterday, which means all the water content is really slowly getting out of it. But you got to be careful. So not only do I have to let the plaster dry, then once I push the clay in to make the tiles and I peel that out, I have to let those tiles dry. And if I over dry one side versus the other, they'll start to cup and curl and they're going to be just a little bit over quarter inch, like three eighths thick. So I'm going to have to let that dry. I might have to like wait a week before I could f- bisque fire them if I make a bunch. Even though a couple of the molds I pulled apart lost some detail, I'm still going to use them just to, for the learning process. They might not be perfect. In the process, I'm going to continue to keep making molds behind the ones that I have available, at least just to get the learning going. And uh, So I keep talking about wanting to do more ceramics, and this, this, is, uh, this is that video. But I had to switch gears, and so I owe Rockler a video 
that's been lingering for a long time. So I'm going to try and do that this week. And that's me using their dovetail jig. Which well, I, I just used, used that years yesterday. Ago. Oh, yeah. Are you, are you doing a video with them for that? No. <laughs> oh, I, I was going to say, just... because then they're going to get two videos soon. <laughs> yeah, on the I did a jig. video with them with it. I made some trays for our kitchen uh, a while back. It works great. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm going to do, I, we keep needing, I know I made these before, but I'm going to try and figure out a way to make it a little bit more of a refreshed video. And I never used a, a half blind dovetail before. So that's what I'm going to use these for. I'm going to make some shop trays for the uh, ice picks. We have probably have a couple of thousand ice picks in waiting. And they, we have part of the, the ice pick manufactured in New Hampshire. Now I finally found a factory in the last oh, year. That's cool. And the just the handle part and the ice pick itself it's the company that made the pick so i had a conversation with them one day and they said you know we can we can we can't do the whole thing but we can do some of it so i was like all right that's cool so we still make the the tubes and the rings and everything here do so those do boxes know? come and they those boxes weigh like 30 pounds each and they, they're in cardboard so i'm going to start making wooden boxes to replace them while they wait but what are we going to say dave is it all automated? Because the ice picks, they're what, five sides, and then they're also cut to length, and then yeah. there's a hole drilled in it for the pick, yeah. and then the ends are slightly rounded. Chamfered, yeah. I'm Chamfered. pretty sure they have a, it's a big factory. They've been in business uh, for a really long time. They used to make, they, got, they originally got into business making needles for phonographs, like at the turn of the century. So they've been in business for like 140 years or something, and they make sharp objects. And when I very first started buying ice picks, I bought ice picks from one of their distributors. And then they bought that distributor, and that's how I became in contact. That's how I got in contact with the original source. And then uh, the guy who happened to be a fan of mine, he knew me because he kept saying, who's this guy who was buying 500 ice picks at a time? He couldn't figure out why. And so he looked me up, and then he realized he started watching me on YouTube. And... Uh, about about a year and a half ago, he started making them for me. Just so he gets the extrusions and it goes through what I'm assuming, I haven't seen the process, but I'm assuming it's a, a CNC lathe with a power feeder. So he makes the handles and they just come through the extrusion. The, the rod comes through the machine, drills, chamfers, moves over, chamfers, cuts off. And that's just the process. And so I get them. I put the logo in them here. Uh, I probably put the logo in nearly almost every one of them ever. So we put the logo in them, then we polish all six sides. And then, of course, we prepare and cut the tube and solder the ring and everything. So we do all that part here. You and then polish them by them hand? And package them. Yeah, on the, on the, the, the Ameribrake grinders, just like one, two, three, four, five, six gotcha. sides. And that's yeah. why if you ever see me on like Ice Pick Week, my fingertips are all I have like scabs on all my fingertips because <laughs> I try to wear gloves mm. to do that process, but I still touch the... Scotch Bright pad that's spinning thousand feet per second. <laughs> yeah, ice pick. Is that uh, is that like Shark Week at all? <laughs> ice pick week, yeah. <laughs> Here at Ice Pick Week, Discovery <laughs> Plus, Discovery Plus Plus, Ice Pick Week. Uh, Swimming with ice picks. We always talk about Bob doing voiceovers with his voiceover voice, and your voiceovers on the Netflix show is 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 pretty good. They oh, are they're horrible. I listen to myself ah, like. <laughs> Have you watched them all? I haven't watched them all yet. I only watched the two we sat in the theater with. <laughs> I haven't watched them. People are people are referencing things that I've said, you know, about my childhood and the past and stuff. And I'm like, and I'll call Derek. I'm like, when did I say this? He goes, oh, on the episode with the boat, you said that. I'm like, oh, okay, because I haven't really watched them closely. Everybody else has. So I'm like, what were we talking about? What made me say that? And he's like, well, that's because you said this, and then I said that. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that voice does not sound like Derek, just so you know. <laughs> Derek talks like this. <laughs> we, all, we all joke that, you know, Derek's about to tell you a secret when he starts talking slow and out of the side of his mouth. Talks like this. He's like, you know what? That's really crazy. He does that. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, David, what are you even up to? Dovetails. I oh, yeah. just finished a video on four ways to cut dovetails. And uh, the, the the first way is the old-fashioned way by hand, which I haven't done in about four years. And I was it came out absolutely perfect, which I didn't think it was going to. And I was all prepared to say, 
that's what dovetails are about. And then it just came out perfect. So there's a good <laughs> pat on the Oops. back for myself. And then I used the Rockler jig. I ha- I've had this Rockler jig for since I lived in the old house. And half-blind dovetails on the jig are pretty easy because you it's one operation for both boards, one template. But I decided to try to do full through dovetails on the Rockler jig, which means two different bits, two different templates, and swapping it out. If you're in, yeah. in a production, go half blind. It's so much easier. That's what I'm going to do this week on my video. Yeah. And then we made them on the CNC, and then I finished video and I started editing it, and then I remembered that the Shaper Origin can also do dovetails. So. Mm. Uh, I went back at, last night and recorded one more way to do dovetails on on the shaper. So in the video, I keep talking about three ways, but I'm going to do a, a little voiceover dub and insert four ways. But it goes from four. traditional hand tools all the way to crazy computerized dovetails. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. So that, is that for this week? That is going to be out, I think, the same day as, as the show. I was going to do another video but the parts that i needed for the video didn't arrive in time and so i had a i had a panic moment the uh so the other night my my brother was supposed to come help me with shop stuff the next day and it's always a good day to film when when he's here because he can clean up after me as i go uh and so kelly's like we have this one plant that is sitting on the floor, it needs a plant stand. And so I'm like, oh, maybe that's what I'll do tomorrow. I'll, I'll design a plant stand since the parts didn't come. And I kept, I wanted to do this like three-way half-lap joint, which is a really complicated, almost like a Japanese-style joint. And I, I saw it on Pinterest, and I was like, this is what I want to do. I just got to figure out how to do this. It looks a little complicated. It's the Sunrise one? No... Um, it's so if you if the plant stand has three legs and uh, they all kind of meet in the middle, almost like a stool. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. There's a half lap, but only half of each piece has the half lap. It's kind of hard to explain. Yeah. Uh, it looks absolutely beautiful. And then three by three custom that YouTube channel. She made She's a amazing. video on it. It was the video was so good that there was absolutely nothing that I can approve on what she did. And I was like, yeah. I don't want to do this. I like it. This video is already mm. too good. Uh, yeah, she's, she's, she's done a lot of amazing woodworking videos. Yeah, she has. And, uh, and so this is like late at night and I figured I could quickly <coughs> draw up this, this plant stand and, and make it in the morning. And then I was just kind of like, man, that video is too good. I don't want, I don't even want to do this anymore. So I went to bed with no project and I woke up. And I'm like, let's do a dovetail. Let's do two dovetails, and then it turned into three dovetails, which eventually turned into four. So that's that's this week's video. Cool. That's cool. Um, let's see. So we don't have a video coming out this week. The video is done, but it turned out that the sponsor we had for it has like extra rules, and it's one that eh, it's complicated. But it came in through <laughs> Google, so there's like. There's like a different set of requirement that, it, and basically, it's this is the first time I've ever had this. We have to submit the video on a particular day of the week so that it can be approved on another day of the week, but those overlap the day that we release. So it pushes it out a week if they approve it. And if they don't approve it and we have to make changes, it starts the whole week cycle over again, which is really strange. Any, but, any chance yeah. and, and, uh, you can, you can you can bleep this out. Any chance it was by a company called 3M? No, but I've oh. had lots of problem with 3M in the past. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. There's a few brands over the years that, like, when their name is mumbled throughout the office, everybody goes, ugh. <laughs> <And> <laughs> 3M has been one of those in the past. I okay. Think we hopefully can have something better with them in the future because they've got some great stuff. But yeah. the one time we did something with them, not good. The funniest thing about that company, I don't know if we just beeped that name or not, but is that they, <clears throat> I've worked with them several times to the point where they just can't make a decision on anything. And the, the one thing that that is constant with that company is that they don't want to spend money on anything. They don't think they need to. Hmm. They basically I mean. assume like you want to work with them simply. I'm like, I work with you every day, and I cover your logo, but 
if you want me to uncover the logo, then let's make a deal. And then they're like, yeah, let's figure that out. Well, like, okay, that's, so that's that, kind of they've always been their approach. They just take that was another interesting thing about covering logos with this particular brand. It's State Farm. I mean, it's an insurance logo or it's an insurance company, and it's not State Farm. It's the fact that we got the deal through Google. That Google does like they have this brand connect thing, and so they connect sponsors and YouTube channels. And we we've only gotten a couple things from them in the past, but they're really stringent on brand guidelines and like disclosures and all that stuff because it's Google. I mean, they have to cover all their bases. I get it, <clears throat> but they the contract is like no third party IP at all. You can't say it, you can't show it, you can't anything. And so the video is making a storage container thing for the back of the Land Cruiser. And so the title of the video was going to be making something like making storage for the back of the Land Cruiser. And they're like, nope, can't say Land Cruiser. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) And and the back of the vehicle says Land Cruiser on it. And they're like, nope, you can't show that. I'm like, how in the world am I supposed to do? (laughs) So you'll notice in the video that the tailgate is lifted because it's a two-part, you know, the window folds up. And so the entire video, the window is folded up, and I call it a truck, and I call it an SUV, <laughs> and I call it a whatever to get around all the things. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I have something in my throat. I have a Nike shirt that I wear. I'm not a Nike fan. I just like the shirt. And it has a little swoosh right here on the Uh-oh, lapel. That's horrible. And it's gray on gray, hmm. I think, or white on gray or something. Anyway, I didn't even think about the fact that I was wearing this shirt. And so I send a cut of the video to our agent. And I'm like, here you go. Send it off to them to get approved. And as soon as the ad ends, you, the next shot is me with this Nike logo on my shirt. And he was like, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't have the Nike logo. <laughs> so Forby had to go in and blur the Nike logo for like five minutes of the video. Oh, that's Just su- to get this pain. logo out of the thing. Yeah. I just do all the tracking. Yeah. I have a... Yeah, anyway. Uh, like, somewhat similar story like there there was an agreement signed the agreement and then after signing the agreement i get the um like the terms the just uh like the, the basically the the talking points oh, yeah. um and the, but in there it says uh no music ex, uh, uh except for music that is approved by so and so and so you could go to Shutterstock, pick a song, and use that music. And I was like, I have never had a limitation on the music I could use yeah. ever in a video. And so I'm kind of getting back and forth. Like, I do all my own music, which is which includes my theme, the music bed, and any kind of montage. Can we make an exception here? Because I I kind of edit video around the music. That's that's just my my thing. And so... We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But it would actually, if I can't use my music, and then I have to go find some pre-approved music, that changes the way I edit the video. It changes my whole yeah. workflow. I would imagine, as long as you own the music, then they would be okay with it. I think that's what they're, they're worried just trying about, to avoid, but, like third party. Yeah. Well, um, so anyway, that uh, the video that was supposed to come out this week is getting pushed. And that, it's kind of a drag, but it's also kind of cool because that forces me to have an extra week. And we've already got the next one after that almost finished. <clears throat> Man, what is up in my throat? And uh, so it's kind of nice that looking ahead at the schedule, we we actually have a couple of videos done or in progress, you know, that are moving ahead. And we have this week off, so... This week, I've been... I'm going to cough really big. Hold on. <laughs> Man, that was a big one. You didn't hear it. I should have coughed over your mute. Ghost. <laughs> we could hear the cough over the mute. <laughs> Very faint. <clears throat> anyway. <clears throat> it's still there. Terrible podcaster. Uh, because we were ahead a little bit, I have been able to go out to the farm and start really working on the Carmen Ghia in... I've been anxious to talk to you guys about this because I've I've <laughs> it is it is a really strange feeling to be I think I've talked about this before like so far it's been I'm just going to take things off right and I'm taking this off and I'm stripping this thing and I'm putting parts over there and it's just like dismantling organization you know but it's not really changing it's just 
undoing. And so this week, I finally was at a point where a lot of the body panels that I had ordered, those all came in. And I went out there the other day, and I'm like, there's nothing stopping me from like actually beginning to fix this thing. And that moment of <clears throat> switching gears from like a phase of taking apart, organizing, whatever, to now I actually have to do work on it. We have to, you know, have to plan and cut and fix and weld and patch in the, it's a gear shift in my head. And it's very scary because all of the things that I can see that are problems are in front of other problems that I can't quite see yet. And so I finally dug in and started cutting some stuff out. And a lot of the you know, like a panel that I'm cutting out is connected to at least two other panels somewhere. It's going to be held in place. And those other panels that it's connected to are also inside and rusted out at the bottom or on the back or something like that. So then I'm confronted with, well, I have the piece to replace what I just cut out, but I can't do that yet because now I have to replace something inside. Or, you know, I either have to buy it or I have to make it I have to treat the rust that's inside the car that was not able to be sandblasted because it was covered up. And then I have to like, well, okay, but I, I have to treat the rust and then I also have to seam seal these things before I put cover them back up again. There's certain panels that have a rubber gasket around them that are inside the car, like in in the body. And they have rubber. And I don't even know how that works. Like, I don't know how they got it in there in the first place. <laughs> but I would, like, I accidentally cut the rubber while I was trying to get to, you know, get a piece uh-huh. out. And it's just like, oh, man, I got deeper. And I got I got deeper into this. And, like, it is overwhelming when if you look at too much of it at a time. And so I've gone around the car and I've cut out um, the rocker panels and the heater channels that connect that like runs is that in that picture you showed that was uh, <clears throat> at one point yesterday on Instagram you showed a picture that showed a channel inside of the kind of the back wheel of the car yeah is that a heater channel that's, that's also heater channel. Yeah. severely rotted yep and and I have replacements for those those are some of the first parts that I got but they are you know it's not just like they're tacked at the ends I mean they are like they're not structural, but they're kind of yeah, they're integrated. They're they're yeah. structural, you know, like in air quotes. And so, you know, I'm just at a place where I'm like cutting stuff out, but I want to make sure I don't cut too much <laughs> and make sure that I don't deform things, trying to separate things. And um, I did my the first other thing little... when, whenever I whenever I've gotten that deep into it, I talked about this with the rocker panels. Is like people always take the doors off of Chevys to do the rocker panels, but in my mind, I'm like, how do you know where the door line is? So I had yeah. to put the rocker panels on with the doors in place so that I could see hmm. where that body line is. So if yeah. I have like an eighth inch gap at the bottom of the door, then I know, okay, the rocker panel lives here. Because you could literally just have it like a sixteenth of an inch higher here and a sixteenth of an inch lower there. And then you're you're never going to have a straight seam between your door and your thing. Right. And, you know, a sixteenth of an inch over three, over whatever, 30 inches is not easy to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... I reinforced the the door gap. I had like an X, you know, yeah, bracket yeah, in there. And then I went ahead and added another cross piece just directly across the bottom to force the bottom edges as close to what I was cutting out as possible to stay where I put them. It doesn't mean they're going to stay there, but yeah. uh, like it was the best I could do. <clears throat> the good thing is putting that heater channel, that heater channel is hidden. So putting that back in will give some structure to it, and then the actual rocker panel goes on top of that. So theoretically, I could mount the door back up. I could get the heater channel in, cut out those braces, mount the door, and then get the rocker in there and like probably shim the rocker to get the gap, you know, even along the bottom, theoretically. I don't know. But that even that little thing that I just said is one of those like, yeah, I could probably I could probably do that. That's fine. But that's after like I patch all of these hidden things that are mm. underneath stuff and behind stuff, and I have to cut out things to be able to patch things. And I like realize, oh, a plasma cutter would make this way easier. <laughs> plasma cutter has the wrong kind of plug on the end of it, so if I bring it out there, I have to put in a new outlet so that I can use the plasma <laughs> cutter. It's just like, oh, <laughs> come on. So it's all really exciting, but it, I, I just have to, 
have to keep looking at the thing that's right there, like really focus in on something because otherwise I step back from it and I get really overwhelmed with hmm. what have I done? <laughs> I mean, you you were joking before we started recording, Jimmy, about, you know, having that feeling. And I honestly do have that feeling about every 10 minutes that I'm out there. I yeah. I look too wide and I go, what am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I I have no <laughs> business doing this at all. Well, that's, but, you know, that goes back to the theory of, I always say, is, and this is just a mantra. It's not something that I'm really claiming to be perfect at, but you just got to say to yourself, make it go right. Just yeah. make it go right. Yeah. And I always lean back on somebody somewhere in the world put this together. Is that person any smarter than me? They were just trained. I need to figure out the technology. Hmm. You know, the person yep. that put that together on the line obviously had a different point of view, different circumstances, but somebody put this together. Somebody got this part, put it in here. Somewhere in the world, there's somebody fixing one of these right now that I could potentially find online. Yeah. And now this is all just me talking myself into a comfort zone. That's all it is. I'm not saying I need to go talk to somebody. I'm not saying I have to go do, well, obviously you do research, but. But it's not unknowable. It's not unknowable. And that's yeah. the thing. It's not, you know, you're not a. You're not in a you know the bottom of a tunnel, five thousand feet into the earth. Going okay, what happens if I go in this door? What happens if I go in that yeah. door? You know, yeah. nobody lived to tell the tale. There's a lot of people that live to tell the tale of doing the repairs that we choose to do or doing the tasks we begin to learn. <clears throat> yeah, and I, I I'm running into that that feeling. Over and over and over so far. And I've done a lot of work in the last two days. I've, it's two solid days. Not solid days, but two 12 to 5 days. Cutting things and patching things. And so I feel like I've moved a lot further on it than I have moved up until this point. And that feeling comes up a lot of just like, I don't, I don't have any clue. Like, I've stepped in way too deep. But then... I refocus and work on it a minute, and then I'm like, man, I love this. Uh, like, this, yeah. is, this is odd. Like, I might want to be a car guy now. Like, I really... Yeah, isn't it? The mood swings are great. When something works, you're like, oh, man, I'm going to be a potter now. That's it. I'm just going to do ceramics for the rest of my life. And then it doesn't work, and you're like, why did I waste all my money? What is wrong with me? You're garbage. There's no reason you should be doing this. And, like, you'll have those mood swings three times in a day. Yeah. I don't have that negative swing back i'm just overwhelmed <laughs> but, <I'm garbage>. <laughs> but i do but i am feeling like yesterday i noticed a couple of times i was just like man i i'm out here by myself not filming it i'm just working on a car and it's inching along very very small you know <laughs> it's centimetering along and i'm making a little bit of progress but i really enjoy this and i can see myself possibly falling into a car restoration thing hmm. like long time. I mean, maybe not. Maybe I'll be tired of it by the time I'm done with this one. That's a possibility as well. But um, I, I just was kind of caught off guard with like, I, you know, I do a lot of different things and I try a lot of different things and I don't spend a lot of time on any of them and they're fun, but I like to be able to move on to the next thing and try something different and then come back and whatever. And I found myself with the amount of work ahead not being like, oh, man, I have a lot of work ahead. It's like, wow, I don't know what to do. This is going to take forever, but it's really cool. And it's totally mm -hmm. new, you know. And so that's exciting to me. It's it's nice to be that excited about something. Um, it's been a while since I've been really drawn into something. And, like, I just want to do this. I just want to stay here right now. I don't want to go home and, and I want to go to bed. I, wanna, I don't want to... I just want to like do this thing as long as I can. So that's a cool feeling. Um, like I said, I may not feel that way <laughs> in a couple of weeks if I keep going at this pace, but it's pretty exciting right mm. now. So Yeah. But that's kind of what I've been doing is mainly just this week out there um, and probably the rest of this week after today, I'll probably go back out there and take advantage of our little bit of a, a you know, our lead and try to make some progress on the car. Um, so yeah, that's what that's what I've been up to. Uh, Jimmy, you had kind of a topic. Yeah, what did I? What was that word I said could be the title? Did you write that down? I did not. Creative tragic tragic tra 
tragic creative tragic creative tra- creative tra- tragedy I, don't, I mean the title is currently swimming with ice picks <laughs> <laughs> so i said something like have uh well, a video popped up. It's from a couple of weeks ago. Dan Mason and Casey Neistat popped up this morning. So I watched that before we got started. And it, it kind of resonated with me slightly. I mean, those guys are too, they're, they're like over the top when it comes to trying to make a point. But the idea of creative block and how to get around it. And it kind of resonated with me a little bit because I didn't, I didn't have creative block as much as I had, like, I think I might have called it creative tragedy where... You think you're going down a road and then that doesn't work. And so you, 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 you kind of forced into a block. You're like, now what do I do? I have this whole day and I thought I was going to be able to do all these things, but now I can't because plaster takes too long to dry and I don't want to demold something and pull details out of my tile. And, you know, this is my own personal experience. And I was like, well, I got to shift gears and what am I going to do? And so I said, oh, well, let me try and unpack that literally unpack it, but also mentally unpack that dovetail jig, which just looks like trying to learn the controls to a 747, believe it or not. I'm just looking at it and I'm like, there's no way that pamphlet has all the answers in it. And I just don't even want to read the pamphlet that comes with the jig. And I'm just like, there's no way this is going to work. And the way I set it up, I went and I found a router without that little collet fit in. Hmm. The whole time I'm like trying to make a decision. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do this week. I don't know what my video is going to be. I have this obligation to make this video for them. And I, I, I don't want to tackle this jig. I don't want to figure this out. I mean, the whole time I'm saying to myself, I don't want to figure this out. This is annoying. I don't want to figure this out. And the whole time I'm moving slowly closer towards figuring it out. And the whole time I'm like, all right, well, I'm not reading that pamphlet because I just can't stand reading. So you know what? Let me, uh, I hate, let me just figure this out. And so I get two chunks of wood and I sick it. And then I, I look at the picture. And I'm like, oh, wait, you cut blind dovetails at the exact same time, both pieces? I had no idea right up until that very second. I'm like, okay, let me jam them both in there. And then I, I did it. And I'm like, it didn't work perfectly, but the concept started coming to me. And I started realizing how this thing works without... Really look, and then once I had some physical experience with it, I was able to then look at the instructions and put some sense to what they were telling me. But I couldn't look at the instructions at first and read anything and have any connection to the object till I actually physically understood the object a little bit. I understand and then that I look so at the instru- much. I feel that yeah, all like the time. Because uh, yeah, they're like, oh, take the wish the jugger and put it next to the uh, who's he what and flip it. And I'm like, I don't know what any of this means. I don't understand what any of this means. Like, I don't, I don't even have like the definite, I don't have the vocabulary to read this and even understand what it is. But once I physically started playing with it. So I kind of had a creative tragedy this week and the idea of like, okay, now I have this time. What am I going to do with myself? And then, so I, I made the decision to shift gears and slow down on the tile project and slowly approach the, the shop box project, the ice pick box. But then I'm thinking to myself, how, I've kind of done this before, but how can I make it fresh? So I'm thinking now I know I don't need all week. Before I knew I needed all week to make the tiles because every day thing needs to dry. And uh, so I'm like, oh, I can do this video probably all day Thursday, part of Friday and be done with it. And, but now I'm, now I'm having the, the idea of like, how can I make it fresh and new? What is the one thing I could add to it? And I try not to make it, try not to force that. So last night me and Taylor put together a bunch of Uline shelves. Taylor ordered a bunch of Uline shelves to help organize the shop in the new basement floor. And uh, so I took, we took like almost two hours to put together Uline shelves, nuts and bolts and hammering tabs and slots and stuff. And that whole time, although that was kind of waste of time work, it wasn't necessarily waste of time work. It's kind of, you put your brain on autopilot. So I'm looking at nuts and bolts and the whole time in the back of my mind, I'm like, what is my eyes taking in that I could use to mutate into some new, fresh, interesting thing for making shop boxes with half blind dovetails. And so the whole time I'm saying to myself, even though I have like a slight bit of creative block and jokingly the creative tragedy of having to shift gears in the middle of the week to something different, that it wasn't a waste project. It's just going to take a lot longer than I thought. So that project is still going to keep happening in the background. Now I got to do something else. So I don't know. I've been talking for a long time, but the point I'm making is if you have a creative tragedy, I think you have to not panic about it. And 
not panic about not getting something done. I don't know if I'm making a clear point here, but how do you guys handle the same thing? Well, I was saying before we hit record, like I can't distinguish between a creative block and a motivation block. They, they, they feel yeah, exactly that the identified, same. Identify with that. Yeah. So I might have an idea that I think will work, but if I'm not in the mood to make that idea, I have, I just, I feel like, Ugh, I don't want to, I just don't want to do this. I'm not ready to do this. So uh, I don't have any good advice on how to not panic because I panic about these things all the time. It just feels like uh, my my mood shifts are, are go from uh, just just like how you guys were just talking, like this is amazing to everything is falling apart, and I need to go look for a real job here soon. Um, but so I, it, panic does set in for me. Well, so, me, it wasn't like I didn't. I I jokingly say panic, but what I was saying was it was almost like I was. Uh, if you could imagine a metaphor, like I like to make, I'm like driving the car and all of a sudden like the tire starts clicking and you know like you're gonna have a blowout right and you're like i'm driving like okay so first thing i gotta do so this is me like yesterday morning with the plaster i'm like okay this isn't gonna dry fast so like my tires clicking like imagine the metaphor and i'm like okay i'm gonna have a blowout this project's gonna be a failure i'm gonna pull the the tile mold out and it's gonna have the detail ripped apart okay the tires clicking harder okay you know what let me take the first exit and i take the first exit and i'm like okay this tire just needs some attention. This project needs more attention than I'm willing to give it right now. So now I have to decide what is the next project I'm going to do. This can keep happening in the background. So there was like a little bit of like a, almost a tragedy where it's like it got to like Friday and I had no nothing. So I would have no video and a failed project. And I'm the whole time I'm also thinking like if I'm going to do this and it fails, do I make a video about failure? I mean, it's already a ceramics video, so it's going to get 10,000 views. I have if that it's a thought ceram- every single video. <laughs> oh, this might be the one that's about failure. Every single one. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Do I talk about my learning process? Nah, it's only the learning process if I try and jam it into four days. I mean, mm. it's a failed learning process if I jam it. If I right. take this process and take two weeks, three weeks to do it, it's going to be like, hey, this is how I learned how to do this. And so, you know, all these things are going through my mind while the tire's clicking. And uh, and at the, the the next thing is just like, just pull over and change the tire and go some in a different direction. And that's what I decided to do. But if it wasn't the timeline of, you know, the YouTube end date of me trying to have a video for next Saturday... All this would be just meandering through creative life and trying to figure out. But there also is a really big thing in what's creative block versus what's creative motivation. And last night, I didn't feel like doing anything. Once I realized I'm going to switch gears, I just didn't feel like starting there. And then it was light. It was dark in the shop because it was sundown. And I like sometimes shooting when the sun is up. And so I was like, you know what? I'll just deal with all this tomorrow after the podcast. And so last night I went for like a four mile walk in the neighborhood for the first time since it's not zero degrees out. And the whole time I talked to one of my good buddies in Texas on the phone, he called me just as I set out for the walk and we talked nearly the whole time. So it was great. And he gave me some really good, uh, he gave me a nice confidence boost about some other stuff that's going on. And it was nice. And I know if I was in the shop working, I would have said, hey, Scott, I can't talk right now. Let's talk another time. And I wouldn't have had that nice heart-to-heart we had for a long time. Me, him, and his wife talked on the phone. So it's – and then I got to – you got to be okay with not working. And you got to mm-hmm. be okay with, like, in the middle of the day, taking a break to go do something. you like, you know what? i got plenty of time to get these things done, even though there's always that slight panic in the background. of like, I'm never going to have time to do anything I want to do. So I think that what you just said right there, I had a, I've been writing down a list of things I wanted to talk about in regard to this. I think that might be the biggest one is giving yourself some grace in the moments where you feel like something is not working or you don't have an idea or you're behind or you're this or you're that or you're whatever. Like it's okay, not all the time, but it's okay to just be like, you know what? It's fine. <laughs> like I don't have to perform. I don't have to be productive. I don't have to meet the needs that everything around me says I need to meet or that I put on myself or like giving yourself some grace sometimes to just take the day off and go for a walk can do you so much more good than being productive in that moment sometimes. And I think 
I know for myself, at least, <clears throat> I have conditioned myself over the years to feel like being productive is the, is the right. It is the thing that is good. But rest is also good. Grace, relaxation, break, that is also good. Not all the time, then you're just lazy, but sometimes, you know, and I think we have to be willing to give ourselves some grace there. So I'm going to go on record as saying that that's <laughs> important to me. A <clears throat> um, couple things. So earlier you talking about failure, and there are some famous people who have sayings about failure. I know, I've heard them. Everybody sends them to me all the time. I disagree wholly. Uh, in my opinion, failure is the thing that happens when you decide to not keep going. Failure is I've, I've exhausted all of the whatever that I'm willing to put into an idea or into an effort, and now I'm done. And if, it, if you didn't get to the thing that you set out to do, then I would call that failure. Because you've decided to not continue on. But there's always, even even in the worst case scenarios, it's not always a great idea. I'm not advocating for that. You can almost always keep going and push to something else. You could also change your end goal, which makes it not failure, but change. So in that case of like the thing failing, that that's because you put a constraint of it has to be done in this amount of time. But if that constraint is not there, then yeah, you're right. It's just, it's a slower process to get to a success or to get to a, a plateau, you know, a, the next step or whatever that thing is. And I think a lot of people will always repeat things that they hear famous people say. <laughs> and they don't really think about what they're saying. And I don't think that's good. Can I repeat not, something I heard a famous person say? No. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, me and Scott, me and my buddy Scott talked about Evil Knievel because he brought up a quote from Evil Knievel that he remembered seeing when he was a kid. And it always stuck with him. And uh, it had something to do with the show and everything. And, you know, a lot of people claiming that, you know, I'm a bad influence on kids. Not a lot. Very tiny, tiny, minuscule amount of the people that watch say that what we're doing is a bad influence. And he, he said, a news reporter asked Evil Knievel, and he says he remembers seeing this. Scott's older than me, so Evil Knievel is like his... His jam. And he said, uh, Evil Knievel said, you know, the, uh, even God can't make everybody happy. You know, the farmer prays for rain while the golfer prays for a sunny day. Mm. So even God can't make everybody happy. It's a silly <laughs> quote. So I started yeah. digging deep into quotes from Evil Knievel. I was trying to find that one quote. I did not find it. But what I, one quote I did find, somebody put a bunch of quotes together that he might have said to news reporters and and, and I was walking and listening. I wasn't watching. So I, they were kind of randomly stitched together. And one of them was, uh, it, you, you only fail, and I, I'm not going to eloquently repeat it, you only fail when you choose not to get up. He goes, the guy that keeps yeah. getting knocked down is not a failure. And so it's just like what you said, Bob. The guy that keeps getting knocked down is not, is not a failure. It's only when he chooses to stop trying that he's become a failure. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And so if, if you have creative block or if you have motivation block, which is a really good way, Dave, to consider the same thing, uh, it's important to just know that it's not the end and that it's just a, a blip. And if you choose to just say, okay, this is it for the rest of my time here, I'm going to just go become a cashier or go do something that doesn't involve what I believe is my personal creativity, then then you've chosen not to get back up. I think I just had a revelation about my own ups and, and downs with motivation and creativity. Uh, I think it was one of Van Neistat's videos uh, where he says he doesn't drink or do drugs anymore, and that was a tool to his creativity. And that's I think that's a common for a lot of, like, maybe musicians or, or artists. And I think my, my drug is the ups and downs. And I almost feel like I have to have the lows so the highs are so high. So I have I have yeah. to have projects that suck so the next one is uh, successful. Hmm. And so maybe, just maybe, these motivation blocks and these creativity blocks, I feel maybe I need them so I can have the good blocks, but maybe I need to train myself to just level that out. Yeah, just be aware of it. Right. Yeah. Kind of temper the lowness of the low. Yeah. 
Yeah. But if I temper the lowness, does um, that mean the high is not as as high? And does it need to be? Does every maybe mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't maybe that high doesn't need to be the tip of the mountain. Maybe it just needs to be a nice a nice hill. Yeah. I was listening. I listened to a lot of different podcasts, and uh, one podcast guy I was listening to said he keeps on his phone a list of everything he's grateful for and his successes, so that when he's feeling in the dumps, he opens that up and reads it. And now that's not something I would probably actually physically do, but the idea of mentally going through my inventory of the things that make me happy that I've accomplished, and not necessarily make me happy, but make me feel accomplished, and being like, okay, this particular thing is kind of keeping me feeling unmotivated and unsuccessful. But hey, remember the time I did that? Hey, remember the time I did that? Oh, let's not forget that time that I successfully completed that. And so those type of things, it's important to be conscious hmm. of whether yeah. you write them down or whether you just remind That's yourself. That's hard. That's a great Because if, if I'm not in a, if I'm not, if I'm in a terrible place, like this, this, this sucks so bad. And then somebody reminds me, yeah, yeah, but look, look, look where you're at. I want it. I want it to suck. I don't want it. Yeah, to it's be, like that, <laughs> I don't want the sun. That to doesn't come out. matter to me. It doesn't those successes don't matter to me right now because this sucks so bad. And then I wake up the next day and I'm like, well, that's not so bad. I was just too into the moment. You're being yeah. creatively unreasonable. Oh, yeah, with all exactly. Things. Creative tragedy. Creative. Creatively unreasonable. That's, a, that's the that's the phrase for me. So I have one other thing here that I I realized. Um, uh, about when I have a creative block, I think, and I've talked about this before, I think, but a lot of times my threshold for what is a good idea gets gets like out of whack. And so when I get to the points where like I just can't come up with a good idea, I've realized that a lot of times that means that my threshold has gotten too high. Like I, I've gotten too nitpicky about what is a good idea or what could be valuable to people or you know, what is unique enough or that, that kind of a thing. And so and it's difficult to, in that moment, be like, well, let's just lower the standards. Well, that, that's what it feels You like. have your shirt that says you get really... better every time. That's the pressure that you put on yourself. That's true. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think you can do that without one-upping, right? There's a difference between being better at something and being bigger than something. And so I think you... I. I have to remind myself that I don't have to do more complex or I don't have to do more unique every time. Sometimes it can be better. It can be smaller. It can be more constrained or less constrained or like there's other ways to make something better than just bigger Mm -hmm. or, you know, um, whatever. So I have to remind myself of that because, you know, when I look at trying to be creative, I'm thinking, well, Creative relative to something that already exists kind of, in my mind, means like, well, it doesn't really exist yet, or it's some variation on a thing. But uh, sometimes it can mean more bare bones than a previous version, or it can be more utilitarian than a previous version, or completely useless, whereas the thing before was useful. You know, I mean, there's other ways to look at what a creative solution is than just what you've always thought. And so I have to remind myself that my constraint, my threshold gets out of whack pretty often. And I have to check that. I have to correct that because Mm -hmm. for, for me, one, uh, to make sure that I don't feel like I'm just not creative anymore. I lost it. I spent it all, you know, I have to fix that. But also I think you can, I mean, where we have audiences and we're trying to like influence the audience, we're trying to I'm trying to bring value and, and, and inspiration to a group of people that I don't know. I can't outpace them. I can't always push so far and just kind of try to keep building that I build this huge separation between the people that watch and what I'm trying to do, right? I have to, and I want to inspire them, not just do my own thing. And so sometimes I have to kind of reset my, my placement mm. there so that I'm still doing things that are relevant. I keep thinking them. of Colin Furs, who just keeps outdoing himself. Every, <laughs> I don't know how I don't he does know it. how he does that. Yeah, where, where does it end? Yeah. I, I don't know. He's going to have River some dance. castle. He's going to build a castle. He's going to build a castle underneath his tunnel yeah. or something. I don't know. Anyway. 
Well, we're like 55 minutes in. Uh, any other thoughts on this? I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I also don't want to cut off anything that, you know. I had a good thought, and I lost it. Most. Oh, I was going to say, uh, this is I remembered. I wasn't, I don't necessarily ever feel like I have creative blocks. I, and it's never anything that, it's never like a type of wall I need to break through. That's why I thought like the Dan Mace, Casey Neistat video was a little over-dramatized because they started breaking things to break through the block. I thought it was a little too cliche. But the uh, I never necessarily have full-on creative blocks where I'm like at a loss. It's just like a dip in creativity. But I have so much stuff around me to access me to that I can access and inspire me. So I'm never at a point where I'm like, I have I've run completely out of ideas. I always say if you're completely out of ideas, you can just look around you and copy something. For instance, this week I haven't seen any of the videos. I've only seen the Instagram post from uh Alec Steele's made a Zippo lighter. And that's kind of what I've always said is the idea of like, just take something manufactured and see if you can replicate it either in your own creative way or exactly that way. And you won't believe what you'll learn. The creative problem solving is just off the charts to take a manufactured object and try and replicate it. Even if it's strictly prototype or cosplay, the creative process is you'll come through are unbelievable. So if you have a creative block, just look around you and say, what can I do that's not what I expect. Some, let's do something out of the ordinary, something that's outside of my comfort zone or my wheelhouse or my my desired outcome. So I seen, never, ever feel, feel, feel like I never, ever feel completely creatively blocked. What? Have you seen any of his videos about that Zippo? <laughs> I have not. I've just seen some of his Instagram posts about it. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. That guy, I, I, I don't even understand him. <laughs> he pushes through so much stuff on so many projects, not just this one, but the amount of like, he, <laughs> like one time he just said, I want a bike, I want a, a mountain bike. And so I'm just going to build a mountain bike frame. And then yeah. realized halfway through it that there was so much geometry and so many different things that were required. And, but he doesn't quit. He doesn't, he doesn't stop mm-hmm. because it, it's difficult and because it's more than he expected. And the case, like he built the whole Zippo thing the internals and I think got that working pretty easily. And then the last couple episodes have been him trying to make a die that can make a single piece case for this thing. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole manufacturing process. That's like multi-stage and all this stuff. And he's trying to do it in one stage because he's just a person. He's not like a factory, but his process of trying something like that, and then, well, I guess I'm going to have to go bigger. I'm going to have to do it this way instead. And he goes up a little bit and still doesn't work. Well, I guess I'm going to have to go up again. And he's remaking parts the entire time, like over and over and over. He's making dies and he's going and borrowing people's tools to you know, press these dies and all this stuff. And he perseveres in all of his projects through so much stuff that he doesn't have to do. He already has a Zippo, right? <laughs> but I think it's a great example of what you're saying is he, he's persevering to understand how it's done and to have that little thing in his pocket that he will probably never use again. He's not going to, like, make another Zippo. But he's he's learning a whole lot of stuff just for the sake of having understood it. And I think what you're saying there is copying an object is a great way to do that and probably will lead to a lot more than you expect. A lot I think, more. I think he's a good example of that, for sure. Yeah. Um, that was Jimmy. <laughs> All uh, noises are Jimmy. Let's just, from here on out, anytime you hear a noise, it's Jimmy. Uh, let me thank our Patreon supporters. Unless you have anything else. Yeah. Anything? Anything? Okay. Big thanks to everybody that supports creative. us on Patreon. Creative, creative block is a myth. <laughs> it's a myth. Ooh. Wow. It's a conspiracy uh, Big thanks theory. to everybody at Patreon that that gives us... Support, we are grateful for all of you. Uh, there's a huge list of people that help us out at all different levels. They all get the after show. And I'm going to talk more about the secret thing that I talked about last week. I'm going to talk more about it this week. What? Mm. Not so secret That's anymore. Cool. Well, I mean, it's it's Patreon mm. secret. Not super secret. Um, but everybody in the after show will get to hear that. Everybody who supports us on Patreon at any level gets the after show. So if you want to hear secret stuff, that's how you get it. 
but our top supporters over there are Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting. You can make this too. Fun Kissed Artistic Creations. Almost messed that one up for the first time in a really long time. Blondie Hacks, Rich at Lowen Designs, Odin Leather Goods, and Full Steam Designs. Hmm. They're all awesome. Thank you. Chris. Everybody over there is awesome. I learned Why? a tremendous amount this week from Full Steam and from Blondie Hacks. So thank oh, you yeah? both. Yep. Awesome. Behind the scenes. Sure. Both very Just their content yeah. is available for me to soak up and use. So thank you. Mm. Yes. Uh, let me throw out one more person on the Joshua Barber is also a Patreon mm. supporter. Mm-hmm. I hope I don't say the same name every time. I don't remember who I say when I'm trying to find a random person. So if mm-hmm. I'm not, I said your name. Don't take offense. Mm-hmm. Um, David Plants is on here. I saw David at uh, at WorkbenchCon. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Anyway, um, if you want to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash making it. That'd be cool. Have you guys seen uh, Mike Clifford's video? Mod- Mod- Modustrial? Mm-hmm. Oh. Modustrial? Mm-hmm. Yes. We were with Mike when, I mean, I wasn't with him personally that very moment when he had his... His uh, physical, he had a he had aneurysm. A, a, aneurysm. He had an internal aneurysm in his midsection, yeah. in his abdomen. He had an aneur- some crazy thing that only happens one in a million people. Basically, I guess it's a burst blood vessel within his abdomen somewhere. I don't think it was in his stomach. But he was at Workbench Con and he felt the severe pain and didn't know what it was. They thought maybe it was gastritis or something. But he came close to the edge and he lived to tell about it. And he talks about it in his latest video. So. Pretty crazy. You I'll know, put a link to it. Never know. Never know. That video is a good yeah, reminder of just to appreciate the things that that matter, and it's yeah, some mm. scary stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll put a link to that. He, I don't know if, if you guys don't know about him. Uh, Mike has a lot of really great stuff. He's been like renovating this abandoned building for. Yeah, it's a right year, near where Taylor grew up, and Taylor's kind of a hometown neighborhood. She knows exactly where that is. So whenever we happen to see his Instagram or the video, she's like, "Oh, I know. Oh, I know that corner. I know that." Mm. Chicago, right? He's been completely yeah. redoing this building, and has more, most recently been doing building a kitchen in it from scratch. But he's a huge amount of work in this building. Yeah, and his videos are one off the charts. It, like put him on the map. Yeah. All right, David, what you got? I've got two. Was that your pick, Jimmy? I'm done. Was that your pick? Yeah, yeah. Let's make that my pick. I wasn't really thinking of it, but that's my pick. So I've got two. One, I think Bob has recommended maybe a couple times throughout the years, but I got to recommend it again, and that is Punish Props Academy. Um, Bill makes the, the noisy cricket, which is the little gun from Men in Black. Like, I am not a big prop I'm not a prop maker. I've never made a prop. And so I don't watch a lot of prop making videos because I'm not really into the whole superhero thing. But Men in Black is one of my favorite movies of all time. And so when I saw him post... I never would have seen that coming. I love Men in Black. That's awesome. And uh, his, his videos are... Their videos, I should say, are so are, are so good. So he goes through the process of printing out the pieces and then all the prep that you have to do after you 3D print something. And then he's tapping holes and he's painting and doing this like chrome, I say chrome in, in quotes, polish on these. It's so detailed and it's so good. I thought, because I was kind of in a hurry when that video came up. And I was like, I'll just kind of skim through. I want to see the techniques. And I just sat back for like 45 minutes and was just like, I can't believe 45 minutes went by. This video is so good. So um, the the Noisy Cricket video is, is phenomenal. So that's my first pick. And then my second pick came up right before I went to bed last night as a YouTube recommendation. And it's by Gibson Guitars. And the video is titled, Recently Discovered 1967 Gibson Guitar Factory Tour Documentary. So this is a 1967 video of a factory tour. And I only got to watch watch the first few minutes, but I'm like, this is absolute gold. Like, I can't wait to watch this. I might skip the podcast tomorrow so I can watch this. So, (laughs) Um, Two videos. So two videos this week means I won't have any recommendations next week. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's not how that, that works. That takes pressure off. Okay. Uh, so mine is uh, a little bit different. Have you guys ever seen the movie Galaxy Quest? I don't think so. I watched it. I should have <laughs> should have known the answer was no. I don't even know why I asked. Okay, so. <laughs> Uh, the word Galaxy and Quest in the same time. Well, okay. So <laughs> Galaxy Quest is a movie that came out uh, in the 90s, maybe, or whatever. But it was a, it's a comedy, and it's kind of making fun of Star Trek, but not really. It's a it's kind of like a satire of, of Star Trek. Whatever. It's a really funny, really good movie that's lasted. It's done very well over the years. Like, it's held up really well. It's got a ton of people in it. Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, Tim Allen... Um, uh, the guy that played Monk. I can't think of what his name is. Anyway, it's got a bunch of famous people in it. Robert De Niro. <laughs> no. And is the guy that uh, played Monk in Men in Black? Is he the guy in Men in Black too? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ties in Tony something. Sh- uh, Shaloop. Tony Shaloop. Shaloop. Yeah. Um, anyway, he's in it. What and, is Tony Shaloop? <laughs> there, anyway, there's a bunch of people in this movie. There's a documentary about the movie that I found on Amazon Prime. And I watched it while I was on the treadmill. And it's really good because it talks a lot about how – I like movie doc, like documentaries about how movies are made because it's always interesting to see the struggle that that goes on for something to actually happen in in the movie world and how projects change from beginning to end. You know, it starts as one type of movie and then in the shooting and editing and all that stuff, it changes to like at least one if not two different types of movies – and anyway, so this is a really good one, but it talks about a lot about um, them getting different types of actors. I mean, at the time, Alan Rickman was like a you know British stage, like he's very British or whatever, you know, very fancy actor. And then you have Tim Allen, who's right off the heels of like Home Improvement, American grunting, goofball comedy, whatever. <laughs> and so, you know, it talks a lot about how they work on how they dealt with each other and just how the movie got made. It's really interesting and gives some cool perspective on a movie that I think a lot of people, if you've seen it and you have a history with sci-fi, it's kind of an homage to fans of sci-fi. Hmm. The, the movie itself is. And so then the documentary talks about why they did that and what it was supposed to mean and all that type of stuff. But it's a really good one. So go watch it or don't. What Whatevs. I don't care. I don't get anything <laughs> from it, but it's good. <laughs> All right, you guys I'll watch it, Bob. got anything else? No, you don't. <laughs> you don't watch anything. I can tell you the best watch. movie in the history of the world, and you'd be like, "Yeah, I'll watch it for sure." And you fall asleep, or you Godfather. <laughs> I disagree. Anyway, you guys got anything else? That's it. Again, that was Jimmy. Sorry, stretching. Well, uh, I think that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Later. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.